When a company needs a supervisor for a team, senior leaders often anoint the team's most productive performer. Some of these stars succeed in their new role as manager, many others do not. And when they fail, they tend to leave the organization costing the company double. Not only has the team lost its new manager, but it's also lost the best individual contributor. And the failure can be personally costly for the new manager, causing them to doubt their skills, smarts, and future career path. Everyone loses. In this episode, we will explore the most productive people who don't always make the best managers. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna Corin. And joining me today is leadership guru and my super productive friend, Jack Sanger. I met Jack when I first read your article that you and Joe wrote about the most productive people not making the best managers. It made me a little sad for all of those energizer bunnies out there just keep going and going. And perhaps where they're going is not the, it's not <laughs> the best direction. Yeah, sadly, what makes a person succeed individually isn't what enables them to succeed in a leadership role. Yes. And there's one very famous man who came to my mind who was very productive, but not what many considered a great business manager. His name, known to many, is Colonel Sanders, the founder of the beloved fast food chain Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, we could probably spend an entire series dissecting his very peculiar character. But in short, Sanders was a really terrible businessman. He only became a successful restaurant owner after failed careers as a lawyer, insurance salesman, lamp salesman, tire salesman. But what he lacked in business skills, he made up for in passion and drive. Now. Sanders often made unwise business gambles and had a habit of getting into fights that resulted in being fired. Something that suited him well as a self-employed entrepreneur, but was less ideal as the company spokesperson later in life. I mean, the man shot, shot a guy for painting over a sign that led people to his original restaurant. In 1964, when he was 75 years old, KFC had grown from this single country cafe to a large franchise business. And around that time is when Sanders decided that it was time to sell. He felt that because of his age and frankly, the skills that he lacked to effectively steer the rapidly growing business, it was time to move on. And he felt pretty good about the $2 million that he received for selling, plus an ongoing salary to be the face of the brand, until the company's successful IPO and the shareholders received millions. And that's when he became a little bitter. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, Colonel Sanders is not alone. You know, the skills that served him so well as a self-employed owner of his own little cafe didn't translate as well to managing a large, complex organization of franchises. This is a really common story of talented and productive individual contributors who get managerial positions on which they don't thrive at all. 
In our episode last week, we explained the seven behaviors of super productive people based on the analysis of 7,000 workers. And those behaviors were setting stretch goals, showing consistency, having knowledge and expertise, driving for results, anticipating and solving problems, taking initiative and being collaborative. And those behaviors, we'll call them results-focused skills. Yeah, and these competencies leverage task or result skills and as they're applied by an individual. They are valued skills and make people more productive, but all except for the last one, collaboration, are very much focused on the individual and the results that they personally produce rather than being focused on others, on the team, on the organization. Mm-hmm. When it comes to being a manager, all those skills that made you fantastic as an individual contributor are not as useful as they used to be. There is now a different skill set that you require, and most individual contributors have just not had the opportunity or the interest to develop these skills before they are thrust into this new role. When we went back into our data, the skills that our analysis identified as making a great manager are much more others focused. They are about interpersonal relationships. Uh, I like that term, other other focused. (laughs) What are these other focused skills? Yeah, so the first one is being open to feedback and personal change. A key skill for new managers is the willingness to ask for and act on feedback from others. They seek to be more self-aware. They are on a continuing quest to get better. This has been referred to lately as agility. Now, I thought the important skill for managers would be to be able to give good feedback to others, but this, this is different. You're saying that it's about receiving and being open to receiving feedback. I guess we could all use a dose of a little more self-awareness in our lives. Yeah, you know, and that was a very interesting surprise to us when we discovered that in our data as well. One more very important behavior uh, that enables this switch from being a good individual contributor to a manager is supporting other people's development. You know, all leaders, whether they are supervisors or managers, need to be concerned about developing others. You know, while individual contributors can focus on their own development, great managers take pride in helping other people around them learn. They know how to give productive, actionable feedback. I would, I would think that developing others is one of, one of the most dramatic shifts for new managers. Because how, how do you do that when you're trying to figure out your new role? Oh, exactly. The new manager is learning his or her new role, often at the same time that they are expected to be helping subordinates. <laughs> Two things they can do that help them get through that challenge is, you know, first to be very open and candid with their subordinates, that they will, are in this together and they'll, they'll learn and progress together. And the second is to help the, you know, enlist the help of other members of the team to orient and onboard a new team member. It's, it's hard to be teaching something about which you personally don't have a very good grasp. <laughs> the next skills for managers that was valued was being open to innovation. 
people get stuck in their individual processes that they prefer. Um, leaders need to put aside their bias and preference and now see these processes in a different way and be open to change. And I like it when you said innovation often isn't linear or particularly efficient. An inspiring leader is open to creativity and understands that it can take time. And the next skill that uh, super productive leaders require is communicating well. One of the most critical skills for managers is their ability to present their ideas to other people <clears throat> in an interesting and engaging manner. You know, a certain amount of communication is required for the highly productive individual contributor, but communication is not often the, the central core of their effectiveness. And that leads to having good interpersonal skills. Oh, I feel like we talk about this one so often. <laughs> I mean, bless the hearts of all the introverts in the world who just don't want to talk to people. <laughs> well, and by contrast, this is an absolute requirement for effective managers. Interpersonal intelligence has become seen as probably the essential leadership skill. Although highly productive individuals are seldom loners and hermits or, curmud or curmudgeons, <laughs> nevertheless, being a highly productive individual contributor does not demand that a person has the same level of excellent interpersonal skills that are required of a manager. The last skill was supporting organizational changes. While highly productive individuals can be relatively kind of self-centered, Leaders and managers must place the organization above themselves. So once again, the other focused skills that separate great managers were being open to feedback, supporting development, innovative, communicate well, have great interpersonal skills, and support organizational change. Obviously, we live in a society that loves super, super productive people. Um, so. Explain to us why those managers who were labeled as personally productive when they were individual contributors, that they aren't doing as well when they become managers. Yeah. When we further analyzed our data, we found that many of the most productive individual contributors were significantly less effective on this new set of other focused skills. Let's be clear. The results focus skills were not negatively correlated with being a productive manager, but they were not sufficient. Mm -hmm. They just didn't predict high performance as a manager. But this helps to explain then why some highly productive individual contributors go on to be really successful managers and why others don't. We repeat, the role of being a highly productive manager requires an additional skill set beyond that that was required of the productive individual contributor. So in some cases, the best leaders are highly productive people, but the most highly productive people with that results focus skill set don't always gravitate toward leading others. Exactly. So nearly one quarter, specifically 23%, of the leaders who are in the top quartile on productivity 
are driven by a results focus. And they're below the top quartile on those other, other focused leadership skills, the interpersonal leadership skills. Oh, interesting. So the odds are that one out of four times, a person who is promoted to a leadership position because of their outstanding personal productivity will end up being a less effective leader than would have been expected. One out of four. One out of four. Senior managers and those in HR need to be aware that the skills that make individual contributors, the salespeople, the programmers, the, the people who are so professional and productive, these are not the primary skills that the person will need to be an effective manager. You know, we are convinced that the best time for individual contributors to be learning these others-focused or interpersonal managerial skills is when they are still working in their role as an individual contributor. Yes, yes, yes. Are, are there some organizations that are more adept at identifying these individuals who will be successful managers? Yes, there are. And these organizations tend to get a jump on developing managerial skill in these high potential individuals, training them before they get promoted. Why start early? After all, most people who end up being ineffective supervisors are not terrible at the other focused interpersonal skills we've listed above. And those who recommend them for promotion are believing that those skills can be further developed once they're in that new managerial role. The problem is that developing these skills takes time and effort, and organizations typically want to see immediate positive results. New managers tend to be overwhelmed with their new responsibilities and often rely on the skills that made them successful individual contributors rather than the skills needed to effectively manage others. The time to help high potential individuals develop these skills is before you promote them, not after you promote them. This should come as a wake-up call to many organizations that put off any leadership development efforts until someone is actually promoted to a supervisory position. There's no reason to wait. After all, when individual contributors improve these others focused leadership skills, they will become even more effective individual contributors. Bottom line, start your leadership development efforts sooner. Then when you promote your best individual contributors, you can be more certain that they'll also become your best managers. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Korn and Jack Sanger and produced by Sanger Folkman with music by Pleasant Pictures. If you're interested in learning more about Sanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership and coaching offerings, or would like to attend one of our monthly webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at sangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you really, really like us, please leave us a review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com.